Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. You would have noticed that there's a brand new theme tune for a brand new year, and it's by the fabulous Alex Hume, who uh, did our previous uh, intro and has done other music for us throughout the year. And he has a new single out in a month, and we mentioned that as well because we did the music video for it. Yeah. So you can check that out. If uh, It'll be on Pace Productions UK site at some point as well. We'll share it there. We'll, we'll share it. But go check out his Facebook page, Alex Hume, yeah. Uh, because, yeah, some great music in the past and he's got some awesome music coming out the rest of this year. New year and we have a long line of awesome guests. If you think we did a good job last year, wait till you hear what's coming out uh, this year and we're going to we will let you know in the next couple of podcasts who's going to be coming up on the shows. We're just uh, slowly tying tying down the the guests coming up. But this week we've got Roger Late. Uh, Roger, we met at the Northern Shooting Show uh, last, last year. year. Yeah. Um, he no, we didn't meet him at the. I th- yeah, we know that's where we, we did met meet him. him, but we actually first had a proper conversation with him at the HFT Masters competition in Cloy Bank, uh, down in Falkirk. Um, he runs the HFT Masters. He is very well known in the air gunning world. He is on Airheads and on Field Sports Channel, and he also uh, runs a, a safety company that is involved in Formula E, which is the electric version of Formula and One. We talk all about that on today's show. We do. It is very varied. We have a lot of conversations about air guns. We talk about Chris Packham, obviously relevant to his uh, lapgate. <laughs> yeah, Daryl's coined it lapgate. <laughs> yeah, to his uh, recent statement that lapwing decline is due to shooting. Um, we also talk about air gun licensing. Get uh, Roger's opinion on it. Air gun competitions themselves, and of course going on to fast cars, Formula E, and safety, not just within motorsports, but also safety requirements within shooting. And I think there'll be a few things yeah. there which might get your Head. your mind ticking over, yeah. I think. So thank you to the hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, in fact, it could be in the thousands of people that entered and enjoyed our Christmas period with us with the seven days of Christmas We gave a lot of kits We gave a lot Christmas. away. There's only one person left to receive their stuff and Byron yes. will be delivering that I need to himself. hand that in person because they He's, live not too far yeah, from they me, live not too far away. Uh, hopefully everyone has received it by now. Thank you to all the people that ordered from our shop, all their t-shirts and mugs. I, I believe we got everything out in time for Christmas. So um, I'm actually modeling one myself if for the people that are on YouTube, one of our t-shirts, the Embrace Your DNA t-shirt. And uh, you <laughs> you're can, doing a little squat I'm doing a little turn so people can see, but you can't really see it that well. Uh, you can, if you want to know anything about anything we do, then go on thepacebrothers.com, the shop's there, there's all our contents there, all the film contents there. Our, our series is complete, but we have more stuff coming out throughout the year uh, to be decided yet. We've got more filming stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. The most recent thing that we put out that we are not in, but I was uh, actually filming, and it's a really cool film, is currently on the Mauser Facebook page. And the Leica, Rifles I'm sure yeah. on the Leica, Leica Sports page. Optics mm. uh, we, we will have it on our YouTube channel at some point. Mm-hmm. But for now, go and check that out. That was, in fact, it is the a podcast that we brought you last year, towards the end of last year. That hugely was hugely popular. Hugely popular. Loads of people commented on it. 
uh, where I sat around a table with everybody in Sweden who was on the event Tested to the Edge. So that actual film from that podcast is now out. So go and check out uh, those two Facebook pages. Uh, it's, I think it's the top video on both of them. So we, like always, like always, we have a competition to uh, start. Yes, so we're we going to kick off the year with a pair of Coldwell Emacs electronic ear defenders. I think we've given away about three or four pairs of these yeah, now. We've given away quite a few. Yeah. Um, so that's what you have the opportunity to Hold up to the to camera so yeah, people can so see. For people on YouTube, that is what it is. Electronic ear defenders. These ones you can actually plug in your phone as well. So you can listen to some music, which is really quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen to music and protect your ears at the same time. We will tell you how you can win that right at the end of the show. I can just tell them right now. Let's tell them right now. You want to tell them, yeah, the start tell them right. the, at the start of the show? Very start of the show. Okay. I'm going to tell you how to win. Let's just kick things off so people okay. know how to do it. All you need to do is there'll be a picture of these defenders on the Facebook page. It'll be the pin post. Well, it will be kind of, yeah, it'll be at the top somewhere. It'll probably be the pin post. And you just have to like it, share it, and comment below. Three things. Three things. Like, share, and comment. Yeah. Or we might even just get you to comment below, tag a friend in the bottom. Just read the description yeah. uh, that the that the picture's on, and it'll tell you exactly yeah. how you have to enter it. And in two weeks' time, we will randomly. We'll try and keep it easy for people. We found that if we ask people to do three things, people <laughs> just don't do it. So we might just keep it to one thing. But yeah, it's a it's a really great prize, and if everybody needs ear defenders and electronic ear defenders make life so much more mm, easy they do. because you I can actually, actually hear what people are saying around you in fact in fact if you happen to be doing some high seat shooting or something like that a lot of people in uh, a lot of shooters in Europe do it they actually wear these crank them right up because it increases your ability to, to hear it. yeah and you can hear things moving through the forest uh, way easier i don't know it makes me wonder why I, I don't have a pair when i was shooting the other day filming and everyone else has got swags and really nice <laughs> electronic ear defenders and there i am with a really rubbish pair of your bog standard ones sorry <laughs> maybe we should crack open one yeah. of the prizes one of the coldwell ear yeah, defenders maybe. filming in fact you could actually plug our plug our audio in there even better you could actually yeah, Useful for filming. There you go. There you go. Another application. You'll be able to use these as a filming ear defenders. That's it. We're not going to hold you up anymore. We hope that you enjoy this really quite funny interview. There's a, quite a bit yeah, of laughter in this. Uh, Roger is Roger's a, a great guy. guy. Uh, got some really good stories. This podcast is supported and brought to you by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. They actually get a mention, uh, Roger talks about them, in this podcast. If you're not a member of a shooting organization, you really need to think about joining one because it helps support what we like to do. And there's a lot of things that go on in the background that we don't realize, responding to consultations for, uh, for legislation, and it's shooting organizations that do that. Go and check out the Scottish Association for Country Sports. Uh, it's a really good place to start if you are not a member. That's it. Enjoy. Thank you very much for taking the time out to join us today. Oh, my you, pleasure. You are known in the sort of field sports shooting community as an air gun man. I think that's probably a pretty good place to start. The first time that we met one Well, that's, another, that's where we met. Yeah, that was exactly where we met. It was at the HFT Masters um, down Glasgow direction, uh, near Falkirk, Clive. wasn't it? Yeah, Chloe Bank. It was fantastic. Talk, me, talk to me about air guns and how you got into that as a starting point. Right. Many, many years ago, um, I lived on uh, in a lovely big house on a farm. And in the summer holidays... Uh, I had absolutely nothing to do. And if my motorbike was out of petrol, I was bored out of my head. And 
I thought to myself, that is nothing to do. One of my friends turned up one day with this tiny old rubbish, ratty old air gun. And I've got to be honest, it, it was something, it just sort of sparked this fire inside of me. And we were shooting like, uh, you know, used shotgun shells at 25 yards. And I thought I was an absolute dab hand. And I thought, that's it. Air guns, fantastic. And um, I went and bought a an ASI sniper in 2-2 because well firstly it's got the word sniper in it as we all know that is absolutely testament that it's going to be fantastic and um it really wasn't uh, <laughs> or could it have been me <laughs> but uh, anyway and I shot anything that moved really um and in retrospect I really shouldn't have done because I should have learned what I was doing to be honest but it just a summer's day I would just go and get my air gun uh, like a tin of pellets and just walk around for, for all day just absolutely loved it and it just went from there and then skip forward many years uh, a friend of mine who's sadly no longer with us um, he bought an air gun he bought a BSI a BSI BSA um, what was it lightning and he brought it around to my house and he went oh have a look at this well I was just in love and I, I looked on the internet to find any ranges, not thinking for a second there'd be a range around me where I live. Blow me, 25 minutes down the road in Chelmsford is Pete's air gun farm. Mm. So the induction, went down there with Kieran. Um, we went down there and we shot two tins of pellets with his gun. I mean, we had no clue whatsoever. And... Um, Nothing's really changed. All that's changed from there. I was, I've got fatter and lost hair. So, <laughs> what at, at the point where you found uh, Pete's hair gone from? What kind of age are we talking about there? Uh, 30, 36. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember back? <laughs> yeah, I've got a good memory. No, so it was. Yeah, I mean, I went down there and I was just blown away by. It. Obviously, I mean, it's yeah, Pete's hair gone from back then. You know, it was really good. Now it's exceptional, but. Um, it, it was just it was just something I loved it. Shooting these targets was absolutely brilliant fun. I mean, brilliant fun. And and I just sat there, we sat there all day just shooting this thing. So I thought, right, I've got to go and get one. So I got this lightning and I really couldn't hit a thing with it. It was really good, you know, and it's just instead of going, Oh, I'm fed up with it, I'm fed up with it, I'm gonna give up. Um, it was a case of, right, let's get a better scope, let's get this, let's get that, let's do this. You know, anything trying to buy points, as it were, trying to buy sort of success, mm. as we all do, I'm sure. And um, yeah, then things sort of got sort of that I was hitting things. And then beside me, I saw this guy one day shooting with a gun that was almost in, in my book, virtually silent, which obviously the little I did know, I thought was well, virtually silent. It must be really low powered. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was it was a silent state W100. And I'm going, oh, something wrong with that, mate. And he's going, no, no, literally not. And at the back of the barn, there used to be um, bales of hay. And I said, I said, no disrespect, boss, but you, you, you haven't hit anything for ages. And he went, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, you, you're aiming at the back of the barn. You're not hitting anything. He said, well, there's an ear of corn, actually. I'm just chopping it down. And I went, yeah, right. And I looked through my particularly rubbish scope at the time. And lo and behold, he's literally, the, the, the accuracy of this thing, this PCP, which was totally new to me, he was just chopping it down. And I was lucky if I hit a bale of hay at 45, 50 yards. <laughs> and I was really chuffed when I did. And then uh, I just watched this guy and I, I went, I've got to get myself a PCP. And that was it. It, it was just it, totally, oh, wow, wow. I was hooked from there on and, and, and have been ever since. Well, they, they really changed the game. I mean, I remember, I mean, I was, I've, I've kind of moved away from it now, but when I was younger, I was just air gun mad. 
the very first thing I ever spent any large sum of money, which well, large sum of money for me back then was an air gun. I bought a, a Virac 99. Yeah. And my dad had the old 97. I then went on to buy a 0.20 Virac uh, 97, which was the upgrade of the uh, yeah. 77. Uh, but then pneumatics came in, and there was the, the early Falcons, and I still got. I, I had a. You've had a I've, Webley I've got Scott. Webley, yeah. Um, Webley I, Raider. A, a, a Webley Raider. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, 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 that's what I've got. Um, Excellent. I, I've got a Logan uh, Axor, which they've stopped yeah, making, yeah. I think. Um, and, and a Falcon. Those are one of the two pneumatics that I've got. But I think I, I keep going back to. I've gone pretty much back to spring now. My Virac uh, ninety-seven point twenty is just. There's something that's about my go-to. There's something now. about spring that I really enjoy. But it it does take. It's a it's it's a different it's a different type of skill. Yeah. You can well, that, well, you can springers. Be, with springers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. You see now uh, you say that I've been shooting a Springer recently, and I realise that actually I like my ex-wife more than a Springer because <laughs> I can't shoot it. They're horrible. <laughs> no, no, not my ex-wife. Let me just make that perfectly clear. I do not like my ex-wife. <laughs> no, Is that because the, you can't um, shoot them, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Hang on. No. The thing is. The, um, I, I shoot. I'm very lucky to shoot with a guy, Carl Hampton, yeah, who makes Springer shooting look a breeze. Mm. And it's like, I mean, I, I'll sit there and watch the Masters golf on television, and I think, yeah, I can do that. Of course, I can do that. And then they, you know, they put the ball right by the pin, and and I go, yeah, I can do that. Well, I can't. And and when I shoot with Kyle, he, he's hitting 15 mils at 25 yards. You know, a plum. It's just so easy. And I'm going right. Let me have a go. If I hit the target, I'm chuffed to bits. It's lobster that night if I hit a target. I'm so bad with them. And I don't understand. I mean, I take my hat off to anybody that can shoot a Springer well, because I certainly know I can't. It, it's it's just awful. But it, yeah, there is something lovely. I mean, when you actually hit a target with a Springer, wonderful. I mean, that is just, for me personally, it's just like, well, it, it's, it, yeah, it's as rare as me buying a round, to be honest. But you know, I can't, I just, I'm so useless at it. But yeah, again, I'd love to. I mean, with a PCP, I can hit now and again. But yeah, Springer, no, I'll take me out after you boys. We're, we're, we're going to get into you, you and your, your competitions just shortly. But I, I just thought to myself that we have a look, quite a few people who, um, who listen to the podcast who are not uh, not necessarily big into shooting. And probably quite a lot of the, what we've just been saying might have just come across as jargon. So I just want to dial it back just uh, just a second just to explain a few things. The target shooting that you're doing on like Pete's farm, just explain that setup to me for, for people who have never seen what these air gun ranges look like. And, and, and you can maybe even go on to explain why it's actually so much fun. Right. The um, the nice thing about Black, Black Mark, Roger, Black Mark, phone, phone oh, not on silent. <laughs> I'm not on silent. Sorry. And I'll do that now because uh, I've got the memory span of a flip flop and you did say to do that. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. No. Um, carry on, carry on. So what, what it is, uh, the Pete's Air Gun Farm, you walk into this barn and there are targets from 10 yards to 50 yards. Uh, the actual kill zone as such. So you've got a silhouette of a rabbit, say, for instance. Yeah? And in the middle of it, there'll be a little hole and it'll be either sort of 15 mil, 20 mil, 25 mil, 30 mil, 40 mil sort of thing, yeah, for different distances. So basically it's pitting your skills, your skill level at, you know, if you okay, you go for a nice big kill, forty mil kill at say thirty yards, and you can knock it up and knock it down. That's fantastic. But you know, the longer ones, obviously, you know, they're they're more tricky because there's distance involved. There's hold over, hold under, depending how you zero your scope. They're the close ones again. I mean, the really close ones that catches an awful lot of people out because you think you aim straight at it, 
But depending on your zero, maybe you can, maybe you can't. So it's a really good place to learn how your gun works, to learn your scope inside out. Now, for HFT, we shoot from eight yards to 45 yards. That's the maximum. Um, so obviously, Pete's air gun farm has well, obviously, it's longer than that. So you can learn your, you can do a little range card. You can learn what your scope does from eight to 45 yards. And it is, it's just such an, inv sorry, it's such a valuable tool. It, it, I love it. I spend my time down there all the time. I mean, most Wednesday nights where I can get out, I get down there and practice because it's always nice to see if there's any discrepancies with the gun or the scope or whatever, because um, it will show up straight away. And I oh, love it. And, you know, for people that have never been there, it's and you're new to air gunning or even maybe you want to dip your toe in you know certainly that's the place to go it's fantastic it's it's incredibly addictive knocking over these little metal silhouettes i still do it with an air gun now from time to time little flip over silhouettes or uh, take it a stage further with the full bore shooting that i do actually just ringing steel but obviously the ranges are a lot further but it's the same thing essentially we've and actually it's, we've it's actually really given away some targets on on the show yeah we have actually given away some uh, the, 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 the air flip, gun flipping the flipping yeah. targets mm. i mean not my way i may hasten to add no, none my way <laughs> you need to enter the competition yeah, roger then you'd be in with a chance yeah, of winning on your own eh? <laughs> so but there are clubs all across the uk what kind of people get themselves involved in this i was amazed by the, the spectrum of backgrounds uh, how oh. people have got into it when we met you at the hft masters in falkirk it's fantastic i mean you know my first competition was a, a, a club called lee valley in hartford and i, I I've, I've been on the farm and what have you we'd had shoots there for shotgunning and what have you you know beating and all that sort of stuff for pheasant and, what have you. and you get a certain person that does that obviously a country person blah, 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 and you expect all the range rovers and the four before is lovely with air gunning i wasn't sure what the what the what the demographic was and it's a really big demographic because you get all walks of life uh, but but the best thing about it is we all share the same passion and that's me winning oh no sorry no no um and you know it is it, we have we share the same passion of just it doesn't matter if you've got a million pound in the bank two pound in the bank you know it doesn't matter if you've got a 2000 pound gun and, and like a 2000 pound scope if you can knock targets over with your you know your 300 quid gun and you like your 100 quid scope more's the better you know it is the, it's the they're the loveliest people i've done a few sports in my life um and it's the one that i just i i adore it the people are lovely um there's always people to help you it, it's just such a nice environment um you know you see kids coming through and, and you know and so annoying because these little kids they start off being snot nosed little sausages sort of thing as it were and now as i've been shooting a few years they're like really good and they're caning me it's really not fair I'm but just, we met uh i can't remember her name now there was a, a young girl at the uh at the competition we met you at and she was phenomenally good oh um i tell you who that is lovely girl uh, we interviewed her oh, actually word, so i should remember her name thing. Yeah, because that's right. They, they live in the Midlands, yeah. and she's a cracking little shot. She's got really good. Again, I don't like her anymore. <laughs> you know, she was really sweet. Now she's not. I, th I think but she like, was beating her father at the time. Yeah, she was. She beat her dad. Yeah. That day. That's. I mean, how galling is that? Yeah. You buy your daughter a gun, and then she rinses you with it. I mean, it's just like, yeah, let's forget it. <laughs> so, tell us about the the HFT Masters and and how that series works. Right. Well. I've been shooting the uh, the UKs for a good many years and enjoyed it immensely. Um, and in all the time I'd ever done it, I just thought, I just fancy something 
different. And that, that's all it is. Is you know, a lot of people when when I <clears throat> start when I thought I sort of talked about the idea. Lots of people were saying, no, are you doing it against it? I went, no, 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 no. I've really enjoyed shooting the UK's, was met some lovely people. Um, and I just fancied doing something different. And then one day someone suggested, right, you know, maybe do your own series. And I thought, why not? You know, time flies and what have you. You know, so I thought, well, I, I can do that, you know. And it, so I put it out there and I talked to uh, a good friend of mine, Ian Bainbridge, um, Tourette's granddad, as they call him, <laughs> and, um, and uh, said, look, you know, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about starting a uh, new series. Well, within 10 minutes, he had his coat and he was around my house going, right, what are we doing then? And uh, it was like, that is that, that's it. I mean, we both sort of share the same thing. We want to, Air, Air Gunning, sorry, has been very good to me and I want to put something back. And I wanted to start a new competition that wasn't necessarily for the top flight shooters. It was for, if you fancy doing it and you don't want to look a complete plum, you know, come along to mine, right? Everyone's there to help you, right? If you score 10, so what? Have you enjoyed it? Brilliant. You coming again? Absolutely. And we've, get, we've got so many people. And it's so nice at the end of the day to look at the score sheets and you don't know half the names. Because if you go to a national, you know everyone. You know, we've been competing against each other for many, many years. But the HFT Masters is different because we get such a wide spectrum of people because we move the, obviously the event around a lot. But, you know, we do get so many new people come along and they all want to chat and they all just say, listen, any chance you can give us a hand with? Yep, sure. Like, what, do you want, what do you want to know? And if I, I mean, I haven't got an awful lot of knowledge, but what I've got, I'm more than happy to sort of like, you know, spread it around. And it's, and it's just, it's brilliant. And it's worked so, so well. But it's, it's just we've got a two tier system. So if you've never, you know, you never scored 50 points and lots of people haven't, and they're too scared to go to the national. Why do I, I mean, I've, I, you know, if they regularly score 35 to 40 points, I mean, you'll never get a trophy, not in a million, not in a million years in, in obviously the nationals, because this is the top flyer. Now, what we thought was, well, give them a chance. Why can't they get a medal? So we've got a two tier system. So, you know, people have won tier two with a, um, with like 44 points and they're over the moon they've got their pb and they go away with a trophy and nothing says a good weekend right better than a trophy in your hand yeah it was incredibly inclusive that was the, the thing that yeah. i that struck me when when we were there and everyone you know every it was a competition but it was about having fun everyone was kind of helping everyone else especially you know the youngsters to help help them come on which is very important to encourage uh, people I, to... we've been to a lot of uh events sporting events over the years and years and they're normally very serious i mean you can tell how serious some of these events are but you don't really get that with the hft it is serious to an extent where when you know when people are shooting but people are yeah. having a lot of fun at the same time and you, you saw know, that that totally agree. i mean when i'm on my shot yeah yeah when i'm actually going to take my shot i don't talk to anybody i'm just concentrating on hitting the target and knocking it down or just clenching my teeth thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do? That sort of thing. That, that happens a lot, unfortunately. But, you know, as soon as I'm up from the shot, great, it's back to the banter. And it is Olympic, Olympic-level banter. <laughs> we should get a sponsorship for our banter in HFT. There's no two ways about it. I mean, the people there, because there's, there's such a, a diversity of people, yeah, uh, and they're such a mercurial lot, They, they, it's just it's brilliant. It's fantastic. And you can have really intellectual conversation not with me clearly i may, I may hasten to add that I, you know make that perfectly clear but other people you can talk about this that and the other and there's just so many people to talk to and it's just lovely easy going and that's what we want we want people to travel 
come along for the day, have a great day out, go home with a trophy maybe. But the one thing we do insist on, you go home with a smile. And that's that's it. And it's just bringing the fun back to air gunning. Have a little competition as well. It is a competition, of course. And we, you know, we take that seriously to a point, you know. Um, the, the thing about other competitions that I've shot, it, it's like when they blow the whistle, there's not an awful lot of talk. It's just chat, chat, chat. Everybody's concentrating on what they're doing. That's lovely. But if you're if you're not relaxed and enjoying what you're doing, I, I don't know. I don't think it's right. I mean, my lot, you can't shut them up. It's wonderful. So you're going to be back at the Northern Shooting Show this year with HFT? Oh, yes. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to that. That show uh, was the first time last year, wasn't it? And yeah, it was. And yeah. we went along there, and we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, we certainly didn't expect the numbers for the HFT Masters. I mean, it was rammed. And, you know, the glowing reports we've had from that is just out- outrageous. It's brilliant. It's so, so... It makes me so happy to know that we've put a lot of hard work into this and so many people are so happy w- with what we did, you know. And, you know, the course, when people turn up, they looked at the course and they went, mm, yeah, it's yeah, it's all right, you know. And it wasn't it wasn't one of those courses that you think, well, this is going to be technically difficult. It's, yeah, this, that, that. It rinsed most people. I mean, it really did. I mean, there's a couple of guys that I know that are top shooters, top flight shooters. It picked them up, chewed them up and spat them out. And it was wonderful to see, you know, seeing a grown man in tears going, I've just, just dri- driven 200 miles for this. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> It was great, but it, brilliant. That's what it's all about. Now, at the the Northern Shooting Show, there was a chance for people. Was there a chance for people just to ha- have a go? I can't quite remember the, the setup. On, on the there. Saturday, mm. we, we put the range out, obviously, on the Friday or Thursday, Friday. Um, we uh, invited people to come along on the Saturday to shoot on the range, not on the course, because we need to keep that fresh. We can't have people going on the course because, obviously, the competitors are shooting that the next day and they may get an unfair advantage. <laughs> walk around it, by all accounts. I'm oh, sorry, by, by, all, by all cases, I think. Yeah, you can walk around it as much as you like. However, you know, don't shoot it. I mean, I was very tempted, but I didn't, right? Um, and and we, we took these people that never shot an air gun before and they said, right, let's shoot some target. Let's do some knock-up, knock-downs. Let's just, you know, and to, so just get a, a rifle in their hand and see what they like, you know, see if they like it. And a majority of them did. You know, it was, and then people are saying, well, okay, well, what about this gun? Is it any good? Yes, it is. Or no, it's not. I mean, for you, it's too big or too light or whatever. And we would just, we sort of just help them, you know, do it. And it was lovely because I had five, was it on the Saturday? Yeah, it was on the Saturday. We had five, five people that also went through my bit. And they were saying, uh, I'm, I'm interested in getting a, uh, you know, an air gun. What do you think? And I said, what's it going to be primarily for? Is it going to be hunting? Is it going to be HFT, FT? So a bit of hunting, maybe a bit of HFT. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, this is a nice gun. So I demonstrate a BSA gun because that's, you know, the, lucky for us, we had BSA on hand. And they said, um, they'd shoot the gun and go, mm, I quite like that. And I say, right, well, you know, for, for you, you need this, you need that. Uh, try this scope. Oh, I like that. That's really good. Next thing you know. They've, they've disappeared and are back into the show, come out with a box going, got it, well done, Sam, you know. And I sold, uh, well, I sold, it, that's, you know, five to seven guns were sold on the set on the Saturday. And three of the people that had never done HFT in their lives, never even heard of it, shot in the competition the next day. That's brilliant. That is. Now, that, to me, I mean, that's a big tick, isn't it? That's lovely. That's, that's worked perfectly. About. I think you need to work out a commission deal for when, <laughs> when the show comes up in a few weeks. Oh, it's, where, when does it come up? A few next, months. Time. It's a few months, yeah. yeah. I talked to Simon Moore about that, but the phone went dead. It's strange. He must have <laughs> credit or something. That's what happens. <laughs>
Before we move on from the uh, HFT, if people have listened to what we've been talking about and thought, you know what, that actually sounds like fun. How? What's the best way, but maybe they, they don't shoot to start with, what's the best way to find out a bit more about it and get involved with air guns and maybe go to one of the HFT competitions? Right, I mean, we, we've got an HFT Masters website. Um, uh, we've just changed it, actually, because we had hftmasters.net and now it's .com. Um, I say that because I keep forgetting that. But um, anyway, so and you know, go on there, have a look where we're going to be. We also run at the HFT Masters. Again, this is another thing that we do. Um, you've never done HFT before, right? You know, do you? I don't know the rules. I don't know what gun I need. Is is you know, is does this right? Can you do this? Can you? All the questions that you you know that you're never going to find the answers to, although there are on the websites. I understand that. But we run a thing called a masterclass. And it, all it is, is, right, bring your gun along to Pete's farm. I mean, again, uh, you know, it's all on the internet. And it's also on our hftmasters.com site. Um, and it's it basically, it's an introduction into HFT rules, regulations, and, you know, pro kneeling standing, just giving them little tips, getting them going. And we've got so many people through that. It is fantastic. And this year, because of the success last year, we're doing it. We're doing a uh, sort of stage one, stage two, stage three. So stage one is a Pete's farm. This is an air gun. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. And then teaching a bit of pro kneeling standing and you get a free burger as well uh, from Ian. Uh, I don't know about that, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, uh, we haven't lost anyone yet. Now, um, the stage two is at Molden and District Air Gun Club. And that's going to be on the range learning windage because it's great. You can shoot in a barn. That's lovely. You, know, you can shoot outside Pete's farm where it's sheltered. But shooting on a range outside in the wind, that's something else you've got to learn. Mm. And then that's stage two. And then we have a little mini competition in the afternoon. Stage three is a full-blown competition in the woods with tricky targets. And we'll be walking around helping people when they, you know, with ranging, with wind estimation, as best we can. And just give, give them all the tools to be able to turn up to a competition and go, I know what I'm doing. Out of the way, I'm out. You know, and uh, that's it. I mean, we've, we've got people doing that already. But with this sort of the, the way we're doing it with the HFT Masters, with the Masterclass, it's just just make it's just giving them the confidence to be able to turn up and go, right, I know the rules. I know that I can't do this. And if they certain kills are at, sorry, certain um, the kill zones on the targets are at certain distances. If you if you've never never read anything about it at all, you wouldn't know. You know, you wouldn't know like a 15 mil can be from 13 yards to 25 yards so we teach you that so you go well if that's a 15 mil so the maximum it's ever going to be is 25 yards so we know that um and so we just give them you know tips and tricks like that sort of thing yeah and and people have really really you know gone with it but you know to get into hft there's so much on the internet i mean i do the thing on um field sports the airheads the ebc of hft which is a bit of fun and it basically is just showing you the basics, and uh, you have to accept my uh, my crude uh, Essex accent. I do apologise for that. <laughs> we, but, we, were, uh, we were admiring you on Field Sports Channel the other day. Yeah, not a lot of people were, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turns out I've got a few haters out there, but you know, <sighs> anybody who puts themselves out there is going to have haters. So it's, I wouldn't stress true, about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, Don't honestly, worry. There's a, there is a person out there that within. I would say five minutes of any video that we put out, regardless of what it is, puts a thumb downs on YouTube. I don't know who they are, <laughs> but yeah, within but I, five I, minutes. I'm sorry for that. I'm on Facebook. I know who mine is. <laughs> as soon as it comes out, they get an email to say, 
the, sh- the show's out. And I go on the show because I get the email at the same time and I look and it goes, bump, straight away. And I'm like, cheers, mate. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if he gets to 100 dislikes, I'm going to send him a bottle of champagne, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Your personal kit that you use in HFT, I mean, th- those people who listen to this who are interested or yep. are already involved in the world... I mean, they might know already, but just talk us through your the, the journey and evolution of kit that you use to, to what you use today. Because although you've been talking down your, your shooting ability, uh, it is also pretty well known that you're, you're not a bad shot. Yeah, I, I tend not to drink in the mornings. You've been clearly had a couple of beers, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> now, the, do you know what? It's like anything. It, the more I practice, or the more anybody practices, yeah, um, you know, the better you get and you get more luck. You know, and, and I, I'm not a natural shooter. And I know that I accept that completely. I, I'm loath to say this. I've got a friend called Barry who does, doesn't pick up a gun from goodness knows one month to the next and then can go out and just bang out a massive score. And, you know, he's just so natural and he's got no friends. And uh, there's a reason for that. <laughs> you know, No, he's brilliant. He's just really good. I have to go down there to the Peach Farm or to Maldon and District Air Gun Club. I have to go there. I have to practice. I have to put the hours in because if I don't, my scores will just fall out. You know, and that's and it's it's so easily lost and so hard to gain. I mean, standing shots are my favourite, and you know, I really do like standing shots. And if I don't do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds in practice, it just goes like that. It's so quick, and you know, for kit wise, it's. I started off with some old cheap rubbish. Um, waterproof jacket and a waterproof trousers that were like tea bags. I'm sure they were PG tips, mate. You know, they were absolutely rubbish. Um, and you don't have to spend a fortune. Um, and, you know, again, the stuff that I use now is pretty much, it's only, the, the, it's the same stuff, but it's just, you know, a new evolution of it. And it actually is waterproof. I mean, I, I swear by Jack Pike stuff, it's brilliant. It's not expensive and it works a treat. Um uh, well, sorry, um, boots wise, you've got to get yourself a decent pair of boots, you know, really have. I mean, the Harkeelers and they're lovely. Now, I've got the stupidest size feet in the world, like size 13. And I only wish it were true what they say about big feet. <laughs> it's so not. It just isn't. And um, yeah, it really isn't either. <laughs> anyway, um, and, you know, the thing is, I mean, a decent pair of boots, that, that that's an essential. Yeah. You know, and they're warm. They've got to be warm and definitely waterproof. But. You know, trousers, just, you know, jackpipe the business, I swear by it. Um, you know, that sort of thing, lovely. Always wear a hat. I've got my, hawk, my lucky hawk hat. Um, I noticed that you guys are wearing those holiday uh, hats that you never sent me. But thanks anyway. Anyway. Uh, I tell you what, next time we meet one another, I've got a Hornady hat for you. In fact, I think the next time will be, if you're at the Northern Shooting Show, we'll have one for you there. Deal. I, I, again, I, you know. Please, please don't listen to that. It's absolutely right. I know that's not true. <laughs> we will. They're both shaking their heads like there's not a chance. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, that'd be low. I like. No, I do like a nice hat. I do. Um, and then, like gun, gun wise, I've all. I mean, I you know, BSA. I work with them closely, and I love the product. Uh, the Gold Star is just out this world, and you know, highly, highly recommended. A lot of people when that came out, they went, yeah, but it's a BSA. And then suddenly we started putting in some big, big scores with just a BSA. Yeah. And it, it people sort of, they, they, they started looking, going, hang on a sec, right? He's not that great a shot, but he's not off knocking out some decent scores, right? Geezer's got skills. And um, 
it's not me at all. It's the gun. It just makes it so much easier. And, you know, recently a friend of mine who was was a big advocate of impact. They're great. You know, great guns as impact. I really like them. I don't know them. And actually. he said, oh, you know, I'd like to have a go at the BSA. And he's had a go and that's it done. Lovely. He's hooked now. Absolutely loves it. Um, you know, it's accurate. They're not stupidly expensive. Um, they're easy to maintain. Uh, the quality. What more do you want? And, of course, me and my trusty Hawk scope. Uh, Hawk Vantage, 312.44, all the way. Happy as Larry. BSA have been in the game a long time, not only just as an airgun maker, but even in the early days of uh, pneumatics. I think it was a BSA Super 10, I think was one of their first first, first pneumatics that came out. And uh, I remember that being sort of the golden standard of the day. But we're talking back when a good old... I don't know if you ever read... um, I think it was Airgunner magazine when uh, good old John Darling was still alive. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, you know, those magazines, it, it's um, it, it's such a strange thing. I mean, I went out uh, went out to my garage the other day, and I, I've got a box absolutely chock-a-block full of them. And, you know, you, you go back, and there was, like, there was a gun that I always wanted and so glad I never got because it, it looked like a machine gun. Well, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. Of course it is, <laughs> right, which was the Logan S16. And I remember thinking... Oh, I remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet yeah, 16. Got to have, yeah. Gotta have one. Gotta have one. And then I shot one. And I thought, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> they had a built-in, or you could get a built-in laser for the the front forestock of them. I, I remember when and they anything came with up. a laser on it is better as well. <laughs> That's, words out of my mouth. Anything <laughs> with a laser has got to be good. I, I've got um, an air pistol, the Walther CP ninety uh, eight or something. I can't remember what it is now, and. Uh, one of the reasons why I got it was the attachments you could get on it, which was a laser. <laughs> you got to have it, yeah. I mean, I bought stupidly. Uh, it was it was it was a strange thing off uh, off a website. It was Russian military right thing, and it was proper used in the military, yeah. And this laser, and I spent an absolute fortune on it, and it lasted about fifteen shots. Yeah, before the laser was pointing up, God knows where, and I said, and I phoned the bloke up, and I said, it's, it's not working. He went, nah, and that's the last I've heard. <laughs> that was it. Was it nah in a Russian accent? Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, I actually, I actually do have a laser for my air gun, which isn't mounted on it right now, but I, I, I did remember, see I... it. It was actually very useful for clearing barns of feral pigeons. I did use it for that, and it worked. It did work a treat what, if you had it too. What did you do? Blind them? <laughs> Blind them? No, I was shooting. You used it. to have the next to the finger press. Yeah, you had a velcro. I remember that. Yeah. It looked cool as yeah. well. It's just you know, I I, I did the same thing. Um, there was another gun, uh, a scan, I think it was called, and it had a twin laser, one on top, one on the bottom. So obviously, where they were going, like that inter- intersecting, where they diverge, yeah, yeah, you zero it. So, so if you saw one dot. Obviously, that's your zero range, which I thought for a target acquisition at night is a very, very good thing. Yeah. You know, for ratting, you see a rat. Lovely. But the only problem was um, that it didn't work because my friend got one and he's gone. It's got two lasers. Well, it's got to be even better. Double bubble. <laughs> and it, just, it was just the, awful. The problem is that once you go beyond the point, you don't know which laser is no, the top or no. bottom one, do you? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. That was different color. Out, wasn't it? Different colored. I may have been different. Ah, I don't think I it see. was, was it? Well, if they didn't have different coloured ones, that's what they should have done. Yeah, a lot it, of blue and a green or something. It sounds okay. far too complicated, I think. <laughs> yeah, stick to, stick to simple. Um, no. 
last thing on the, the competition world, I think. Where do you see yourself in the world of competing with air guns going? Are you is it just gonna be is it gonna be HFT Masters for you, obviously, because you know it's kinda of your baby, or are you gonna branch out? You know, what's the future for Roger Late in terms of air gun competitions? Well, HFT Masters it is um I've got to be honest, I couldn't be more proud of it. It's it, we've got people that we work with that are just second to none. I mean, I you know, and I'm not just saying it because it's the right thing to do, but it is the right thing to do. I mean, the sponsors help us no end. You know, we've got a really, really good core like sponsorship people. I mean, the people that sponsor us, and they're very, very happy to do it. It's not a case of you begging them to sort of like, oh, please, please give us a tin of pellets type thing. They want to help, and it is wonderful. I mean, you've got Sports Match, BSA, Air Gun Center, Hawk. I mean, you just name it. We've got them all, and it's just, it's so lovely. It's, you know, we're very lucky like that. Um, our new dates are out for this year. Uh, we've got some really in- exciting um you know, new venues and what have you, and we're doing the masterclasses. It's it's just brilliant. So where where are we going from there? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I I I don't know the answer to that really. I mean, I, I was I didn't I didn't know what what the where the path was for this to be honest. I mean, I'm you know we're we're a few seasons in now, um, and it's it's going well. You know, it, you know we started a league last year, <clears throat> third place. Thank you very much. <laughs> third anyway um which got me into the team for the uh for the european championships oh, amazing. Uh, um in poland and uh so we went out there uh, as a like the british team and uh yes we did win fantastic yes, good did. job wow i mean i mean i had a fantastic captain oh it was me, it was me. <laughs> um no and we did and we, it was it was just the it was just the best time we went out to poland and the people out there are second to none they really are the loveliest people um we were very very welcome we're welcomed there um and we rinsed them all which was fantastic they weren't so welcoming after that and uh, we, we went away with the silverware uh you know richard woods won the overall uh, who was in the team uh jenny stone his girlfriend and uh she won the ladies overall, and uh, we won as a team overall. So, so, so you really did clean up and everything. We absolutely did, and I bet they were great. They, I mean, they they say they smiled through gritted teeth, and <laughs> only few threw a few rocks. It was only a few, but you know, no, it was great. It was fantastic, and we did that. And they, they used our rules, the HFT Masters rules, which are different to yeah, mainstream rules because uh, we just altered them slightly. They're more standards and kneelers, and, and it really seems to suit people because the uh, we don't do any uh, supported shots because we don't think it's fair. If you've got a like, great big oak tree and you've got a little like, nine-year-old young lady, well, she can't get around it. Mm. right? If you're six foot two like me and uh, 10 stone, all right, 15 stone, don't worry. Um, you know, then fine, you can lean against it and put your weight on it. But if you're a little tiny tot, you can't do it. And it, we just uh, said, let's do away with that. Let's just have all freestanders. You either get it or you don't, you know. And it, it, it just makes it fairer for everybody. Um, they went, the, the Europeans went with this rule, right? And they loved it. And everybody really enjoyed it, well, especially the people that got the standards. Yeah. <laughs> and they, the people that didn't, didn't like it so much, oddly enough. But it worked really well, and uh, they loved the format and the competition out there in Poland. In, in Wuch was just one of the best competitions I've ever been to in my life. It was absolutely fantastic. So yeah, it was really, really good. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, I, I don't know if you've got written down there. Do you have anything about airgun licensing at um, all? It's the next thing on the list. Oh, great minds think alike. <laughs> yeah, well, since you brought it up, uh, when we we actually interviewed you for Field Sports Channel, which is uh, actually the topic after this. 
but air gun licensing in Scotland is it's, well, it's now here. It's it's been implemented. Yep. When we met back in late summer, um, I don't even think the application process had opened no, at I that point. It, had, it wasn't that far I, away. It was only I a few had. weeks away. What's your well? First of all, we can get your opinion, but you must have also spoken to a lot of people north and south of the border with you know what's happened in the last few months. And what's the sort of general well, feeling? What, well, I was just going to say, what's crazy is still on the forums uh, the amount of people asking questions about air gun licensing in Scotland that they're not even aware of it still. <laughs> but the thing is, there's people in Scotland asking that, not just that, down south. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's people, people here. Yeah, in Scotland, going, what's all that about then? Right. <laughs> And I can't even affect a Scottish accent. I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to help off. <laughs> Near bother. That's all the word I know. But they, um, nice. the thing, you know, the thing is with it, uh, well, okay, is it going to do anything really? Does it work? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I don't think it does. Um, it's a pain in the neck. Will people all do it? All these people, how many air guns up there are going to be licensed? You know, you live in the middle of nowhere and there's plenty of middle of nowhere in Scotland, isn't there? There's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, they're not going to drive like 40 miles to go and register his gun. He's not going to do that. No one is. It's ridiculous. But again, it's a role. The law's a law. You've got to, yeah, you've got to abide by it. Um, you know, the problem we've got, we've got a competition in Cloybank. Yeah, yeah? Of So we've got to get a license. Now, I'm lucky because I've got a firearm certificate and I've had the firearm certificate long enough because I talked to Alex Stoddard the other day. Yeah, from our sponsors. About it. And he said, look, you know, uh, you've got a firearm certificate, you know, so you're covered. But when you renew your firearm certificate, you'll have to do it again. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Now, and he's obviously the brains of the outfit, um, and you know, and put me in the picture. So the few, uh, there's a few of us that have got firearms. So that's lovely. And uh, you know, the other side of the coin is just put my hands onto a firearm certificate. But when I come to sell it, it's known it's down as a firearm. I can't do that. Well, I can to another firearm, obviously. But it's that's such a pain. Who wants to buy? An FAC gun that's not FAC, a 12-foot-pound gun. All right, the, you know, admittedly, you can turn it up if you wish, but there's no point in all that. So I'm not going to bother with that. So, you know, the people that we're going up there with, I've said to them, guys, you, you do need a license. And people are saying, well, I've got a library card. Ah, it doesn't matter. And I'm saying, well, it doesn't count. It doesn't count, you know. Um, and so we've got to go through that process. So uh, SACS have very, very kindly said they'd help us out, which is a real result. And... Um, they're gonna they're gonna put they're gonna sponsor us for bringing uh, us southerners up to you guys mm-hmm. and what so have the, you the, the uh, for the permits, license, uh, license yeah. which is absolutely wonderful and uh, beyond the call of duty uh, Sachs again absolutely second to none like proper people um, and they're very pro air gunning mm-hmm. and they want us to keep going up there and bringing all us lot up there um, which is great you know he said I want you guys here I want to keep air gunning I don't want this license to put you off coming up because to be honest it, but it does it will do. You know, and the people from Scotland that I know that have just applied for an air gun as a matter of course, right, yeah, I'll do it properly, I'll apply for it, and have been knocked back, you know, for not returning a library book or whatever they've done. I don't know, I didn't ask. But, you know, lots of people have been knocked back. And you're like, well, in that case, can I, when I come down south, can I use an air gun there, even though I've been rejected to have an air gun in, in Scotland? How does that work? What do I say? Do I say, yeah, you can use my gun? Because I know that you can't have a license. Where does that put me? Mm, that's interesting. So you you do you know people who have applied, gone through the process, filled in the forms correctly, but they've said no because of the yeah. criteria. You can't have one. Yeah, yeah, can't that's have one. So this, so they say we want to shoot your competitions. If we come down south, can we are we all right to do it? I mean, they were very honest and said, look, you know, I've been knocked back. What do I do? Mm. So what do you do? 
morally. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard one that when we, this is going at the very beginning, uh, we issued a thing from Police Scotland at the time. It's actually a, an individual podcast by itself. And one of the largest problems they were having was people not actually filling in the forms correctly and they were all being sent back. I think it was half at that point. This is a few yeah. months back now. Yeah, half of all forms were being sent back for not filling in the correct details, leaving stuff yeah. blank or sending in money when they weren't meant to send in money at the, the right time and all this. It's just mad. <laughs> No, well, we'll just have to see. I mean, hopefully it doesn't do what it probably undoubtedly will do, which is put people off owning an air gun because it's a brilliant way into um, shooting as a sport, shooting as a hobby, and then the other forms of shooting. You know, most of us started off, whatever we do today, most of us started off with an air gun. I just hope that it doesn't stop that. Um, but it will do. Of course it will. How can it not? Because mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, if you could go down to your local shop at 18, 19, 20 years old or whatever age and say, right, can I have an air gun, please? And when they give it to you, you go, no, no, that's a Logan S16. I don't want that one because it's, it's no, don't want that one. Um, yeah, you get yourself an air gun. Yeah. Uh, lovely. And then you off, off you go to your to your garden with plenty of room. And, you know, you know the rules, you know, your pellet can't leave your boundary. You know all that. Lovely. That's great. But when you go, right, we've got, you know, got to apply for a license and do this and do that and do that. I mean, that's what people, puts people off getting an FAC down down here. I mean, you know, I agree with it because getting an FAC is not the easiest thing to do and nor should it be. Yeah, because it does put a lot of people off, which is great. Right. However, it is a pain in the neck. You've got to fill it all in. And, I, you know, it's just, oh, you know, it's one of those things you just have to do. It's like a tax return. Um, again, right pain in the neck. But the thing is, you know, how many people are going to be put off? I'd say a majority of people, when they go into Scotland, they go, I really fancy buying a whatever gun. Yeah. They want to do HFT. They're only using it for HFT. A lot of people that do HFT don't hunt. Mm. Right. But the people that go, I just want to do competition shooting. Right. You know, I keep it under 12 foot pound. I know the rules, regulations. And then you've got to fill all that in. You know, it's just, it's such a pain in the neck, you know. I, you know, it's going to put a lot of people off the majority, I'm sure. One of the, the biggest comments we actually get, uh, it's uh, the, the podcast I was talking about that was just about the, the air gun licensing. There's now cropping up a huge amount of comments underneath it from people from down south kind of debating whether or not it's going to come to England and Wales. Well, I was told uh, from a reliable source the other day that that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. England are not looking at it. Mm. However, I was told from another very reliable source, it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> so I don't know. Who knows? You know, but there's going to be how many people? I mean, how many people are going to be put off? And how many people really shouldn't have an air gun? We don't know. You don't know that. I mean, there are people out there maybe were, were a bit tricky when they were younger, you know, and drove too fast down South End Seafront, you know, <laughs> giving it 140 instead of 40. You know, it happens, you know, and. And they say, well, I want an air gun. And they go, nah, can't have one, right? Because you drove to like an idiot or whatever. You know, there's so many things, you know, you know, you, you know as well as I do. I mean, I had to declare I got three points the other day um, for a speeding, yeah, uh, and I had to tell my firearms officer. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, uh, it's three points. He went, okay, don't let it happen again. So I said, fair enough. Right? Uh, you know, and uh, you, know, you, you have to abide by the law. I understand that. And how many people... You know, if they brought it to England, wouldn't you know they've been banned for driving for totting up? You know, it's it's easily done, isn't it? I've heard. I obviously I would never do that, but um, you know, people have totted up. They'll go, oh, is that the sort of person we want to have an air gun? I don't know what the criteria will be. You know, it's going to put loads of people off, and loads of people that think I really like to do it won't get one. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's the public safety aspect and, and that was the premise that it was brought in on. Yeah. Whether that's going to make much of a difference to public safety, that's a big uh, big question mark in the air, I think. Yeah. Um, well, we will leave air gun licensing uh, behind us and see what happens for, you know, over the next year. It, it is in place. If you're listening to this and you own an air gun, you don't have a firearm certificate and you don't have a um, an air gun license, then you need to do it. <laughs> Go and get it because currently uh, you're breaking the law. Yes, you are. Absolutely. Um, so f- from that to something a little bit lighter, which is the fact that you are famous for being on Field Sports Channel. In fact, Field Sports Channel and the Airheads version of it. How did that start? I mean, I've known uh, Charlie uh, and David a long time. How did you all cross paths and why on earth did they think, oh, you know what, this guy will be great on film? <laughs> all right. So, yeah, OK, you're saying it from that standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. What it was... Um, was uh, many years ago, many years ago, a good few years ago, uh, I was shooting at the Kelmarsh, the World Championship air guns at Kelmarsh. And I saw uh, Charlie and David, and they were just doing a little bit to camera and what have you. And I walked over and I said, all right, fella, how you doing? Chat, 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 right? And uh, no airs and graces, clearly. I said, um, that's interesting. You know, I said, I wouldn't mind doing a bit of that, just for a joke, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's what I'm like. And he said, well, all right then. Well, okay. What what makes you different? What do you you know? Tell me about yourself. So I said, well, uh, I'm retired. And he went, what do you mean you're retired? I went, well, because I you know I had some shares in a company, sold them, sat there, thought bit of cash, lovely job. Sit around and watch a bit of like a bit of loose women and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Kyle and loose women afterwards. Yeah, you know, you know, I get fed up with that quick. But there you go. So and he said, you're a bit of a rum fellow, or words to that effect. And um, that was that. And then never heard anything from them. Clearly, right? Because they had proper talent. And then I was working at the beer, on the BSA stand. Um, I can't remember where it was. Was it the British Union? Oh, yeah, anyway, with, with BSA one day. And they walked on and I went, hello there, remember me? And he, David said, actually, I do remember you, right? Because you were quite funny. Uh, I don't know whether it meant looking or whatever. <laughs> Probably looking. Anyway, so then he said, well, let's do a bit and see how we go. And so we did. And... Um, not everyone moaned about it, which is a good thing. So it, it just went from there. And to be honest, I, I really enjoy it. I think it's just so much fun. And I'm just, well, just full of it, aren't I, really? Let's be honest. You know, you ask me the time, I tell you how a clock works. So, you know, I just go on and on and on, you know, and, and that works for camera. And obviously he has to edit it heavily because he asked me a question and I just got on and on, as I say. And, and he's just like, he takes the salient points out and uses it. And it, it seems to work. And, and it makes I, you look I good. I thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, it's I, it's good. It's good to watch. And uh, but you've you've branched out a little bit because you were doing a bit of hunting on the um, on the field sports yes. channel just recently. So yeah. that that kind of takes me into the. I mean, we didn't see a lot of it. Because, we, we didn't see uh, a lot of it because you forgot, you forgot to, to press, press record. The record but I mean. <laughs> well, well, now I, I need to say something about that. <laughs> Are we clearing the air here? <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I did. I did forget. All right, all right, fair enough. Sorry. Yeah, I've got the memory span of a flip flop, as I say. Sorry. Right. Well, the thing was, um, I got this thermal gear. Yeah. Now, I've never been so blown away ever. It's just incredible. It's just a, it is a game changer. It is absolutely the best thing. Um, I'm just so going to get that. Definitely. Definitely. It is just fantastic. Um, but it takes, it's not a five minute job. You don't just pick it up and look, you know, and you can use it. There's a lot to learn. This is yeah. a thermal scope you were talking about. The thermal scope and thermal spot. Mm. And there are buttons everywhere. And as we all know, buttons means good. 
Yeah. The more buttons, the better. Um, and I love it, but it takes a long time to get used to it. And I thought I was recording, but I wasn't. <laughs> oh, so now we understand. So you didn't forget. You, it's even worse that, than no. that. You thought you were recording. I, that's the worst bit. I went, yeah, lovely. I've got this. And then looked at the, is it the DVR. I went, yeah. no, I haven't. It, it's not working at all. But then, but that was wonderful. I, you know, I was very, very lucky to be in that position to do the, that very, very strange permission, as I told you. Mm. Um, it was wonderful. The, the gear is incredible. Oh, it's just out of this world. So I loved it. I and mean, yeah, I do air, I mean, I do air gunning, but I've obviously got like firearms and, and stuff like that. And, and I use it, you know, a lot. Um, and we look after deer on my father's, sorry, my father-in-law's land because he's got loads of them and fox as well. So I'm a busy chap. So, so you, you do do a, a bit of hunting outside of the, the knocking Absolutely. over of steel targets. Is that always been the case or is that something you, you've moved into no, in later years? Always. Always done it, Always. and the nice thing about it is, and I, and I and I I say this to everybody, and some people believe it, and some people don't. I, I think that the doing HFT and being able to shoot an air gun reasonably, strength stress on reasonably well, yeah, has helped me with my bullet gun shooting exponentially. It I, is absolutely, yeah, you know. I can and imagine. people say, oh no, nah, they're two different things. I'm like, sorry, you're so wrong, you know. And I liken it to Formula One. All the top boys come from go-karting, yeah? It's low power. It's down to the driving ability, yeah? And it's the same with air gunning, yeah? It's so low power. If you can shoot one of those well, you can shoot a 308 really well. Yeah, no, you, I swear by it. You're absolutely right. In fact, I was going to say this earlier when you were talking about the competitions, is they'll there'll be probably some people who have either left air guns behind so long ago that they've kind of forgotten about it and, you know, they shoot full bores who think, you know... That can't be that difficult. It's just air guns, but it is it is quite serious. And it's funny, you know. You see, um, I've got a couple of friends or, or people and people that I know who have taken up shooting later in life, and they've they kind of skipped out that early learning of shooting loads and loads of pellets at whatever you made me chuckle earlier talking about empty shotgun cartridges because i used to do exactly the same thing use empty shotgun cartridges to shoot yeah but it teaches you a huge amount about yourself and hones your shooting ability for later oh. in life and those people who don't have that but take up full bores or a rimfire shooting later on there always seems to be this something like just a bit missing when you can tell they don't have that base level skill set and air gunning is fantastic for that well, I tell you, what, totally agree. I mean, uh, one of the examples I, I got, I got, um, I got invited to Bisley years and years ago, uh, and I had my two, four, three, and I went down there, and I was like, "Oh, great! What, what are we doing today?" And I thought it was going to be, "I oh, know we're doing a hundred and two hundred in the morning, and uh, five hundred and six hundred in the afternoon." And I went, "Ah, oh!" And you've got to have the, the swagger, and, and of course, I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, absolutely." And I'm thinking, "Oh my." God, what am I doing? I've only ever shot like 150, 200 yards with this. I was quite new to the 243. Um, I shot my rim fires, no problem at all. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, anyway, I did the 100s and 200, and of course, the grouping's lovely, wonderful. Um, and then we went to five and six, and I said to this guy, I said, look, I'm really embarrassed. Yeah, I said, but I don't, I don't know what the dialing is because it wasn't a BDC scope. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, they take the, the cap off and then, you know, it's like, <laughs> so he did it. He said, oh, I'll do that for you. Anyway, got on paper at 600 or 500, right? And he said, right, obviously, we're going for V balls. And I went, oh, right, right. And, and that's why. Right? <laughs> because obviously, the first two were different targets. And mm -hmm. I, he said, a V ball. I went, uh, I don't know what that is. So he explained it all to me. And then uh, I was 
not taking win. It was slightly to the left. So I just dialed a couple of clicks in on the right and then V-balled every shot at 500 and then at 600. And he said, oh, you must have been doing this a while. I went, yeah, about 25 minutes. And, <laughs> and, and was absolutely bemused at the fact that like this, this bloke is like, who'd never done it before, he's just V-ball after V-ball. And the guys with Axis Internationals and Schmidt and Bender PM2s next to me are missing. They're going, well, what are you giving that then? I've said, well, I, I don't know what it is because I can't tell you the, my way. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What is that my way? You know? and, and I was just shooting at it and, and at this target and it was just V-ball, V-ball, V-ball. And they're going, how's that work? It's not fair. And it's from air gunning because follow through, breathing, the whole lot. Yeah. It, it's, it's essential. And I, and I can't stress that enough. I'm a massive advocate of that. Just touch on just briefly i'm sure you must have encountered it at some point as most people do who do some form of hunting criticism by people of hunting or people who say you shouldn't be doing what you're doing because it's cruel have, have you ever come up against that and what's your your kind of res- level-headed response to try and explain why what you do is you know actually okay and and has benefits to it uh, see so you said level-headed yeah that's me out <laughs> no no i agree um Yes, it's very difficult. My mother, right, uh, obviously loved my mum to bits, and I'm scared of her, of course. But, yeah, she absolutely finds it abhorrent, the fact that I hunt. Oh, really? Absolutely disgusting. Conversely, she likes foie gras, and I don't agree with that. So how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, you know, <laughs> lots of people out there that do HFT don't do hunting. They yeah. don't like hunting. There's that. No, no, not a bit of me. And I understand that, and I respect their view. It seems that's not reciprocal. If you do hunt, people don't really respect your view. Mm. They 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 are more they attack you more as opposed to us going. Well, you should hunt. You don't hear that very often. You should hunt. They don't do that. But when you say yes, I I, I hunt, they they attack you straight away. And I don't agree with that because you know I, I I shoot I shoot foxes because they shouldn't be where they are and they're they're attacking chickens and and that's why I do that. I shoot deer because obviously only when they're in season, of course, and not at night and, you know, to, you know, by the letter of the law, because there's far, far too many on my father-in-law's land and they go across a road and they cause so many accidents. Yeah. I shoot rabbits because there's far, far too many of them on my father-in-law's land. He's a farmer. He wants them got. Yeah. Um, it, that's why I do it. And yes, yes, of course we eat the deer. Of course we eat the rabbits. Yeah. Uh, I can't shoot pheasants. Because I'm so bad of a shotgun, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Although I've tried, right? Um, and I shoot the old pigeon with an air gun, and I mean the odd one because again, I'm not that good. But that, I mean, yeah, people will moan at you. Why are you shooting that poor creature? And I'm saying, well, yeah, I don't do it because it's like a bloodlust thing. I do it because there's a reason for it. The deer, there are too many. You got to thin them out now and again, yeah. And that's it's good for them as well. Mm. Um, the uh, fox is just a pain in the neck. Yeah, um, the permission that obviously you saw on field sports the other day, the people there are crying out uh, for us to go back. And we've got to go back on Tuesday to do it again. Yeah, uh, we've got like another full night ahead of us. They, they've got so many foxes. For, for the I mean, people that, that are uh, listening, it was in a stadium, uh, just in case people on the podcast don't know what we're talking about here. Yeah, in the film. Yeah. In the film yeah. on Field Sports yeah. Channel. Yeah, so, uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. They've got so, so many, uh, they've got massive, massive fox problem. Mm. And it's please, please, please come along and, and help us send them out. So, of course, glad to do that. Um, you know, and when you when you explain to someone that, you know, you, if you shoot a rabbit, 
it's had a lovely life. It's done really well. You know, it's not it's not uh, had any steroids in it. It's not like battery hen type thing. It's done like that. It's had a good life. Pellet in the head, bang, done, lovely, and it's eaten. That's all right. I mean, if you're going to chuck them in the uh, ditch, I don't agree with that so much. You know, it's not killing for killing's sake. Um, and once you explain it to them and go through what you do and why you do it, your process, um, then, then they sort of, well, yeah, okay. They're not happy with it, but mm. you're never going to make them all happy, are you? It's right what you say, though. I never really thought of it that way. There's there's always a lot of reaction in one direction, but not not, ne- not necessarily the other. Where if you you know if you if you hunt and, and someone doesn't you never you never see somebody you trying to push them for that, that. Yeah. yeah yeah you don't do you go, I can't believe you're not a hunter no hunter you know you don't start chanting at them no. right <laughs> no. but maybe we should <laughs> no I don't advocate that I don't have <laughs> no silly <laughs> idea <laughs> uh, kind of hunting related and relevant because it was just in the press and uh, was was blew up about two days ago. Uh, Mr. Mr. Chris Packham, his name comes up on He's the podcast every a couple of months. Lap, oh, lap, lap, Lapgate. Was, we're we're uh, going to talk about Lapgate. This. Lapgate. Yeah. Is that what they're calling it? That's what I'm calling. Is that it. what you're calling it? Lapgate. Uh, did He's you see the? Boy, <laughs> did you see the the statement you put out about how the decline in lapwing numbers was because they were being shot? Being shot, yeah. which is just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Where did he get his facts from, by the way? I, I think he picked those ones out of thin air. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the decline nuts. is correct, but the reason is is total rubbish and in, almost in the wrong direction because it is fact. If you can go and look on the GWCT websites, if you look at surveys, and we've done some films uh, with independent surveys on shooting estates, and the populations of lapwings are much higher there than on non-managed ground simply because they're controlling predators and they're a ground-nesting <laughs> bird. So he's... I think he failed to uh, mention that fact. Yeah, he did fail to mention that fact. But w- I mean, what's your take on on someone like Chris Pack? I mean, he's the, the the guy who's in the news all the time because he is quite controversial. He's a very well-known person. He clearly doesn't like shooting. I mean, that if, if anyone was in any doubt, that what happened there. this week was the evidence. Yeah. What's your opinion about him as a presenter and maybe even his, his position within the BBC, you know, which is a, well, an organization yeah. we, we all uh, pay for if you pay TV license. Yeah. I mean, the, the word I'm looking at is dangerous because mm. he can, the lots of people out there, right. Aren't as, in, as informed as you or I sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, we read the magazines, we read stuff from the BASC, SACS, you know, this stuff is based on fact. It's not pure speculation. Um, when you've got somebody with a bit of clout and they start talking absolute rubbish, I mean, you know, it's just, what, what, it, can, it, can, it can't be anything but dangerous, surely. Yeah. It's detrimental to everything that he's saying. Uh, and, but lots and lots of people will follow him and go, yeah, he's absolutely right. But, but based on what? They don't know. And you know what it's like on television. You know, if you read everything, if you, sorry, if you believe everything you read and see, you know, you're some kind of idiot. Um, but then when somebody's spouting absolute rubbish out, you know, I mean, like me mostly, actually, funny enough. But, yeah, when someone's talking complete cobblers um, based on nothing, yeah, a pure, purely speculation, um, but saying it's hard fact and it's not and it's incorrect. I mean, who's going who's gonna to chastise him for that? I mean, you know, and the BBC just let it happen. And I don't understand why he's not, you know, taking into account of this because it's just ridiculous. Because if I started, like, you know, gobbing off saying, like, oh, they do this, do that, do the other... People would soon have a go at me and go, oh, Ty, yeah, what are you doing? You know, mm. you can't be doing that. You can't be saying that. It's not true. What you're saying is absolutely not true, you know, and it's nonsensical. But he'll get away with it. 
Lockyer, what's that? Well, he, he already got through the last BBC investigation, uh, and they, they cleared him of that. I mean, I'd say that this this recent statement even goes above what you know what he was doing before that because he said oh, it was a mistake but it, it clearly wasn't a mistake it wasn't I mean, anybody a, reading yeah. his, his statement it, it wasn't a mistake and secondly he came out with an apology saying it was a mistake yet he hasn't removed it from either his twitter or his facebook page to this day <laughs> it's still there <laughs> he's a clever old boy isn't he? Yeah. and the crazy he's thing is friends. is if you actually click on the petition that's what it was about yeah it's actually got nothing to do with um Nothing to do with the yeah, Latwing. It, it doesn't list Latwing. Doesn't, doesn't list Latwing in the petition. It's about Woodcock shooting and snipe, um, snipe I, and I Gold Plover. That's what, yeah, that's what it's about. So <laughs> the, it, he's actually leading people to a petition that has got nothing to do with what he's talking about, only for the reason that he hates people that shoot. Well, it certainly seems like it anyway. Well, he does. I mean, yeah. it's it's fact now. He can't deny anymore that he is very much against the sh- shooting community. Well, I was reading something just the other day. They were saying, okay, well, you know, he, he retract, retracted in, in a way because he apologized and admitted he was wrong. But like Daryl just said, he didn't actually take down the other stuff. But the problem is 48 hours in, you know, the modern world of media, those, and just like you said, Roger, the vast majority of people who follow him and respect him as a, as a, a naturalist, they won't have gone and checked that up. They will no. have just taken it as given because why would he blatantly lie about something? I mean, I mean why would he? Uh, Maybe you know, if the you're politics. Yeah. But, but the thing is, it, unless he removes it, it's still out there because you just got to think that one person, well, you know, he had four or five hundred people retweeting it. Those four hundred people retweeting it, then those people retweeting it, and then it goes on and on. Then you're in the thousands yeah. of people. Cool. Uh, and the only way to stop that fact still spreading is if he actually deletes it from his page himself. So the, the, the thing is, though, I mean, at the end of the day, he's yes, said, I'll remember sorry about what I said, right, or whatever, but it's still there. So he's not really sorry, is it? You know that, I know that. And and and, it's, and again, he'll get away with it, and people will believe every word that he says, um, even though he's gone, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I had a couple of lagers, didn't I? You know? Um, but no. That's, uh, I just, just wish there was... There but was people more, get away with it. Yeah, they I do. just wish there was more moderation. You know, we've, um, through various channels, asked him to come on here a number of times. I mean, I'd love to have a level-headed debate with him, you know, pick a dozen topics, go through it logically, you know, have someone else who knows more than we know sort of kind of on our side of the fence, maybe someone from the GWCT who's far more neutral, yeah. uh, you know, who's got the facts facts and figures there and actually have an open debate. But he seems to be, and, you know, there are other people, uh, Bill Oddie <laughs> is maybe another one, he, he rears his head every now and then, um, who are quite happy to make statements, but they never want to actually debate it in the flesh uh we saw you know mark avery was eventually held to account and he had to debate stuff in front of people both in yep. the committee and live or well, not it wasn't live it was uh, pre-recorded on country file um and on both occasions you know he didn't come off that well he didn't look quite uh quite as smart as he he comes across in his blogs when he had to think off the top of his head and he was kind of found yeah. wanting i thought but again, I mean, you know, there's, there's people out there that, that, that this will always happen, though, won't it? Unless people are, you know, held accountable for, for it, rather. But, you know, they, they it's just going to happen and happen. And, you know, there are lots of people out there that say stupid things. I'm probably one of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think I do think it's dangerous. I do think it's dangerous because so many people listen to them. And, and, and that's gospel. That's it. Done. Lovely. That's what he said. I'm going with what he's saying. You know, what are you going to do? 
unless he actually does take it down from Twitter, unless he does say, look, I'm really sorry. I'm ill-informed, right? Yeah, I'll go and do my research. I'll come back and I'll tell you what I think later. Ain't gonna happen. No, I I have no doubt that he will come up uh, again at some point (laughs) throughout the year of 2017. We'll see what the next uh, next sort of anti anti hunting anti shooting thing is he comes out with, and I I hope that maybe by the end of the year we might be able to have him on. It it just the thing that that probably annoys me the most is how Mm. the BBC has very strict guidelines on personal opinion out uh, with their employees, and they. They're just really not interested. I actually. Well, he's not officially. An I, well, that's the problem. He he's not officially an employee, but he, at the end of the day, he 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 is. He's still a major major presenter, presenter of them. And I was speaking yeah. to um, a guy that produces um, uh, BBC Alba, and this guy, when I spoke to him, was a hundred percent. Everything I say can't be my opinion; has to be neutral. And you've got a guy that um, isn't a face of anything, and he's worried about the BBC policy. You so know, how does that then? How does that work then? If if, if that guy is so like, if he's saying like, I, I, you know, obviously I'm saying what I'm saying is nothing to the BBC yeah. and the BBC are, and ergo, like obviously that's the way it goes with him. But Chris Patton does what he likes and just boom, lovely. He's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, I know. And how all, does it work? All because of that. The, the fact he's not uh, not on their payroll as a, a permanent employee of the BBC. It's probably deliberately done. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they're going blimey, Charlie. Let's not employ him at all. Yeah. <laughs> Um, move, moving on from this, and actually, kind of away from away from the shooting world. But when I first met you and we were talking about, it, I found it absolutely fascinating. And I just want to step back into the the early parts of starting the company that you have now, because right. the, the your journey into that was <laughs> quite amazing. Fa- and what you do today, yeah. involved with with Formula E, which is the like electric Formula One, unless you correct me. Um, is yeah, I, is amazing, yeah, right. and you know you. Everybody's clearly heard now. You know what a, a passionate air gunner you are and hunter, and this is what you do when you're not doing that. So I think it's it's still an an interesting story, although it's 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 slightly aside from maybe what we normally talk about. So maybe you can give us some of the the, the background on the company that you you set up uh, and well, what right. it does today. What- what it was, was um, I, I started my sort of working career, working for my uh, late father in storage and distribution. And uh, to be honest, I was rubbish. Yeah, absolutely shocking. Um, I got better, right? Uh, otherwise, uh, I was sacked a few times, but yeah, boss's son and all that. <laughs> but anyway, um, stayed there for 22 years, loved it, really enjoyed it. Um, and then just thought, look, maybe I've got to do something for myself. My father started his own business. Um, my older brother's obviously in charge. I'd like to do something for myself, really, to be honest. Uh, and very, very quickly, I got my shares out of that, sat on a bit of cash, didn't know what to do. Talked to my other older brother and said, look, you know, got this money, don't know what to do with it. You know, I can't be buying cars all the time. And, um, and that was that. And then uh, he, 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 he was... Uh, what was he? Director, a director of a medical company, Watergel. Um, Watergel basically is just an amazing uh, product. You burn yourself, you put this on it, it is out of this world. I mean, all the Formula One teams use it, Formula E teams use it. It is, you know, for burns, it's the best thing out there. Anyway, and he said, well, we were, I was looking at maybe getting into motorsport. So when you when you sit there in, in where I live, Black Notley, you go, yeah, lovely motorsport, lovely, right? You never really think it's going to happen. So we put our money together, and uh, my older brother Mark, his, his best friend Peter, he had a bit of cash on his uh, on his hip, and he went, "Come on, I'll have a little uh, dabble as well." So we started this 
this company. And we got into training uh, an air gun for air gun, uh, bullet gun, shotgun, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, trying to put medical packs together to take out when you go um, shooting. So, and the medical pack for an air gunner was different, obviously, to a shotgunner because the, the mechanism of injury is different. Um, and the shotgun to the bullet gun because, again, the mechanism of injury is different. So, uh, I learned a lot about the medical side of things and been on about 100,000 courses. Um, learned really quickly. Uh, it's like anything, you enjoy it, you sort of learn more. Um, and then we got uh, wind that there was this new series, Formula E, starting. So we, we looked at, like, you know, maybe sort of having an intro there. And we, we got to sit down with a lovely chap, a good friend of mine, uh, Carlos. And we sat down with him and he said, right, we need you to do this, this, this and this. Train all the teams on the electrical hazards of this car, um, basic first aid. And then when we looked at the hazards involved, we thought, well, actually, that's not basic first aid. This is, this is you know, more advanced first aid. And we had to put everybody through a, a, an FPOS course. I don't know whether you're familiar with that, no. which is first person on scene, right? And that's quite a responsibility. You see someone laying there, you, first of all, you've got to go, right, well, what happened to them? Right. Are they breathing? And then, you know, the, the normal sort of first aid stuff. But, you know, the stuff that you administer, I mean, you're not injecting them or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, oral pharyngeals, nasal pharyngeals, all that stuff. You know, you learn all about that. Um, AEDs, um, you know, like it, it, it's the, the life saving stuff. It's not basic life saving. It's a bit more than that. So we taught all of the pit crew for all the teams that. Yeah. So when they were coming up to their first race in Beijing. And it was about six weeks before the um, race, uh, Carlos said, oh, so uh, you looking forward to going to Beijing? And I said, well, no, our work's done. We've trained everyone. We've kicked them out. We've done everything like that. And he went, no, no, no. Well, you, you, you're, you've got your exams for being a medic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, well, you'll come with us. You, they all know you. Now, the two things there are, I don't like being away from your mum, of course. No, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I was like, I, I'm absolutely petrified of flying, right? I mean, proper scared of flying uh and everybody takes the mickey out of me constantly for it and i don't blame them because i am such a wuss when it comes to it so i'm suddenly flying to beijing uh, and doing and uh, looking after all these people and it was the most scary thing in the world and it, you know being in a pit lane a live pit lane with all the teams working is there is no experience like it it is the most wonderful brilliant uh, workplace it is I, I can't tell you I absolutely love it and it's very long days uh, very short nights um, very hard work and you are constantly busy 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 and you land there you go straight to your hotel you get changed you go straight down the track you do this you do that you do that you do that then you go to bed for three hours bearing in mind you're jet lagged because you, you've not slept on the plane because you're so excited or scared senseless in my case <laughs> and then you sleep for two or three hours you have a shower you go and have a coffee and you're straight down the track again it's just the best life in the world you know, um, I've met some wonderful people through it. It is just brilliant. You meet all the drivers, you meet this, you meet that, you meet everyone. They're lovely. Um, the pit crews are brilliant. The marketing people are lovely. And then you get the superstars walking around. I was lucky enough to meet um, the bond, that, uh, the, the new money penny. Uh, is it Naomi? Campbell. What? Something again? No. what? Oh, not Naomi Campbell. Not Campbell. <laughs> oh, Catwalk. No, yeah. no. She definitely wasn't a bond. <laughs> Um, no, met her. She was lovely. Um, DiCaprio. Um, who else? Oh, loads of people. Just, it's just ridiculous. It's just amazing. And 
uh, Boris Johnson came down to <laughs> London and it was brilliant. He, what a legend he is. Did I you meet really him? Like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, if you looked at the uh, Daily Mail, there's uh, the back picture. There's me talking to him in the car and what have you. <laughs> I will send you the picture. It's um, it's brilliant. So it's it, just one. But you meet these wonderful people and the sport Formula E. I just think oh, I can't rate it enough. I just adore it because it's proper racing. I've quite honestly, I've never seen. I'm not a, a Formula One fan, although I do watch the odd race. But I've never seen Formula E. But it it sounds like the perfect business to have set up for someone who does happen to quite like fast cars i do i i have a passion for fast cars. i do love them and it, it's yeah i love it I, I you know cars just i mean I read every car mag there is i look at the youtube constantly on on so many this i'm subscribed to so many car things i just adore cars just it's just always been part of my life my father worked very hard you know in his younger days and was always always had a nice little ferrari or aston martin about him so you know from a kid i've always been around those sort of cars and it's it just lovely and my younger brother Stuart, he um he's a car dealer he's a proper essex geezer um <laughs> A second-hand car dealer. <laughs> He's a pro, yeah, but only only in prestige stuff. He oh, does like okay. you know all all the top stuff and uh, lovely. And the, the amount of cars he's had, I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous. So I have all these lovely cars, Porsches, Ferraris, Lambos, all that sort of stuff. It's really really nice. And working in that environment, I mean, we we're in Monaco and uh, last season, and it, standing you know standing in the pit lane in Monaco is just breathtaking. Anyway, you're looking down at the yachts down there thinking one day I'm going to buy one. You're not going to buy one of those. But, you can you know, dream. Yeah, you're saving up for a pint of lager that night. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, and then behind us, when the roads were open, where the start-finish straight is, you know, I, you know, I was going out there and, and looking, and it was like a Bentley goes past, then a Zonda goes past, then a Veyron goes past, then about five Ferraris. And then, you know, all these cars that you just – just but they're just everybody in monaco's got a lovely car and you know it's just like oh and you know my my camera on my phone i mean it's only got a certain amount of memory it was done in two days <laughs> because i'm just taking pictures of these just gorgeous cars and, and it's just wonderful i'm working that environment and with the drivers and this and that it's just uh, the best job in the world by a country mile do you do you ever get a chance to take any of these really cool cars around the track yourself I took well. I'm lucky enough to own a GTR 35 Skyline, and um, I don't know whether I should say <laughs> I, uh, we had to do some sighting laps. Let's say okay. <laughs> so I had to radio race control and say, "Is it possible to?" And they went, "Yeah, yeah, okay." So that was amazing, <laughs> as you can imagine. And uh, yeah, it was uh, lovely. Uh, <laughs> So yes, we down again. Have you, got, have you got your eyes on a, a different car in the future? Yeah, there's no. You see, because if my wife is, <laughs> well, you just have to make sure she doesn't listen to the podcast then. Yeah, well, <laughs> which well, is quite unlikely to be fair. Yeah, this. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to drive a McLaren the other day. Uh, well, four different ones, and they were very nice. And, <laughs> just and, by uh, accident. Think, think I've seen a car that I really rather like, and but the thing is, I, I checked my account this morning. And I've got eleven pound twenty six. So I, to, to be honest, I don't think it'll be yet. But that's ideally what I'd love. That won't, yeah. won't even pay the road tax. <laughs> no, no, is they're they're just lovely. I really do. I mean, and I've got some friends. We've got some very good friends that work for McLaren, mm. and they tell me all the everything that I need to know. I mean, literally the specs. One of the guys I went across America with last year. I was lucky enough to go across from drove from Miami to. LA uh, so that's a long old journey 
And one of the guys uh, that he worked for McLaren and uh, chatting away to him, obviously daily, it was brilliant. And I said, oh, what do you think of the P1? And he said, well, I designed a load of this, that, that. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, it's just incredible. He said, I've got the accolade of being the first person ever to crash a P1. And I went, you're joking. He said, yeah, it was four miles an hour into some arm code because I fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> I sh- Hang on, I was supposed not to tell anyone. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, but you, you, you did admit to me before we started recording that the greatest vehicle on the planet is a Land Rover Defender, though. That's correct. Yes? I, do you know, I really, really do love them. I, I honestly, honestly think they're fantastic. There is something about the line. There is something about the shape. There's something about the engine, the sound of it. I just love it. You know, it's not all about supercars and stuff with me. It's it's just cars in general. Every, everything's got a certain je ne sais quoi, as mm. it were. But the Defender is just it's lovely. I'm it's just, just beautiful. I'm holding my breath to see what they do in, I think it's either 2018 or 2019, when they revitalize the, the Defender and relaunch it. I just can't I don't know. Is just it going to be wait. good? <laughs> I wonder what they're going to do. The thing is, it's just the most beautiful thing in the world, isn't it? So wh- what can you do to make it better? You know, it's just such a difficult thing to do because you, you've got something that's so iconic. Yeah, you know, I think they're going to have to go completely think out the box on this one and not similar-ish. They're just going to have to go completely different. Like the Honda NSX that, you know, they had that beautiful NSX, which was lovely, lovely, lovely. They've got the new NSX out now and it doesn't, I don't think it shares anything with the old one. And I, I, I think they did the right thing because if they made it look like the old NSX. It's like an homage to it sort of thing. I don't think it's the right thing to do because that was such an iconic car. They've gone out out the box. They've done this. They've got the hybrid system. They've got everything like that. And I think that's a really, really sensible way to do it. You know, I don't know. But with the Land Rover, what can you do? I don't know. The problem is that I my fear is that they're going to over-engineer parts of it. Whereas, you know, the TD5 like I that I have, it has a little bit of electronics in it, but not so much that it, it still couldn't, you know, tackle the world. Whereas you're yes. not going to go and do that in the top of the range Range Rover because there is no way that you could fix that thing if it lets you down. It's just going to be impossible unless you have a, a, half a garage there. Um, yeah, that's, absolutely. But they're, they're, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but yeah, I really want one. <laughs> I really want. I really want a Land Rover. Well, you I'd could love... probably buy a few Land Rovers for the price of the McLaren. So. <laughs> yeah, you probably could. Well, they're not that expensive. No, no they compared are. to Sorry, McLaren, I'm, I'm, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> to get away with that one. <laughs> no, that's what you tell the wife. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it, yeah. The thing is, I mean, I, I just set myself goals because you think, right? Okay, I need the company to do this. I need the company to do that. We need to get into this series. We need to get into that series. Right? We have to earn that money. You know. And this is your uh, motivation. It is. It is. I've got a picture of like you know, five seventy years on my wall, and it is just beautiful. And I look at it, and I'm going, "I'm having one of those. I'm definitely going to have one of those." And you know, um, it's just going to work really hard and 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 do it. That's the only way to do it. It's just, I mean, you know, working hard is one thing. Being lucky is another one, though. You know, um, my late father said, "You know, I worked really hard for sort of eight years and did this and did that, and then met one bloke on a plane. Next thing you know, wallop, loads of money." Yeah. So you know. It's, that's the way uh, a lot, lot to do with who, who you know and where you, where you land up but you you do make your own luck for sure you certainly do you know and that's it you just got to stick your nose out and you've got to you've got to put your head on the block now and again and take a risk you know Absolutely. i've been married twice come on <laughs> um just to just to uh, wrap up what i wanted to ask you about was what you thought about safety within the shooting community you know you, you touched on when you were talking about uh, starting your company about yeah. the packs for taking out 
it's probably something that not a lot of people really think about or certainly take seriously. You know, there's a lot of uh, gun owners, a lot of air gun owners, a lot of uh, firearms owners, shotgun owners across the country. I bet you most of those probably don't have any first aid or probably done anything to that description. So what's what's your opinion uh, on that, Roger? And what do you think people should really be doing if you're involved in these kind of shooting activities? Well, Somebody said to me, uh, as a guy we employed uh, when we started the company, and he said to me, okay, here's the scenario for you. You're out shooting red stags in Scotland, right? You're asthmatic, yeah, right? And we're walking along. It's a, it's a miserable old day. You're on your own. You see a stag, you shoot it, right? Lovely. As you walk over to your stag, yeah, you break your ankle. What kills you? And I said, well, what do you mean what kills you? I said, you won't. He said, no, right, you know, what kills you? I mean, well, nothing kills you. He said, well, hang on. What happens is, he said, this is, this is the way the body works, yeah? You suddenly think to yourself, I'm stuck out here, miles from anywhere. My phone don't work, right? Um, I've got a broken ankle, yeah? But it exacerbates any previous conditions, and you die of an asthmatic, uh, you die of the asthma. That's what kills you, yeah? <laughs> because you're worried about this, it brings on, it exacerbates any, any previous conditions. And I'm like, really? He said, that's how it works. And that's how it does work. You know, I've researched it and I've seen it and it's like, geez, I think that, you know, I, I worry that there's no, you know, you talk to people about, you know, you go out in the malls, what do they carry with them? You know, I mean, you know, you, you're grallocking a, a deer. Yeah. I mean, those knives have to be sharp, you know, um, you go through yeah, an artery, you go, what happens? I mean, you know, do you just go, oh, I'll put my finger on it and stop it because it doesn't work like that, you know, it, yeah. And you will bleed out. In minutes, yeah. How Unless many people carry a tourniquet some... while, they're, while they're hunting? Now, tourniquets, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of people say, no, 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 tourniquets are rubbish. That's rubbish. Well, I know um, one of the guys I employ, or MDD employees, our com- my company employed uh, for the Formula E, he, uh, is a doctor. And I, he's um, he worked with the special operations in America. Uh, spec ops stuff, really, really big time. And he's there, obviously, their medic, uh, well, doctor medic, and he's a surgeon as well. And I talked to him at length about uh, tourniquets, and he said, we use them all the time. It is a lifesaver, right, mm-hmm. if you use it properly. And you'll know if you're using it properly because the bloke that's had his leg blown off or half his leg blown off, when you put the tourniquet on, it will hurt more than the actual injury. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? He said, if, if he's not screaming for the tourniquet, it's not done tight enough. He said, when he's screaming his head off, you know that's proper. And and, and then he sh- you know, I've seen videos of it, and I've uh, researched it, and people don't have, I mean, a tourniquet, a hemostat. So if you do cut yourself severely, you just pack the wound yeah, and put pressure on it. So you need a tourniquet, you need a bandage, you need a hemostat, definitely. You need a silum stick, you know, like the glow sticks, mm. yeah. Not if there's any funky music, it's just mm. to be noticed, right, you know. If the weather closes in, you know, you're holding up a great big green, a great big green stick. I mean, asylum sticks, I mean, they're the cheapest chips. They're fantastic. And all this stuff you can keep in your pocket, right? Yeah, and a little pack on your back. Uh, I saw um, when I did all my military first aid and that, obviously you learn about all these things, tourniquets and that. But I think uh, hammering home the, the fact that they do work is I was landing, where I was out in the Middle East somewhere and I landed and there was a bunch of Royal Marines that had just come off the plane from, they'd just been in Afghan and they all yeah. still had the tourniquets on all of their arms just ready to go they were just loosely on their yeah. arms and their legs so that they could pull it themselves yeah that, but and it is so important those things are absolute lifesavers they are incredible and used correctly yeah and I'd stress that used yeah. correctly 
they will save your life like that. You know, and that's that's fantastic. They're brilliant. But people, you know, St. John's Ambulance, I believe they say don't use them. Well, we don't agree with it because, you know, the limb will be lost or whatever. That's, well, that's not right. That's but that, not that's right. where it comes yeah. down to use correctly, though, because there there is, and you'll know much better than I do, there is some cases where a tourniquet hasn't necessarily been required and you do lose blood flow to that part of the body and there is a risk of losing the limb. Yes. Oh, no. Again, you know, if you're trained, if you come on one of my courses, yeah, we will teach you to use that correctly and safely. Um, and heaven forbid you ever have to, you know, but it's like anything, you know, it's like insurance on your car. You pay insurance, you begrudgingly paying it. Yeah. And then as soon as your car gets whacked, you go blinder happy with that and i mm. you know and that's the same thing as this and you know um graham allen i don't know whether you know him he came on a course uh he's the editor of um gun mark no, he know. um lovely chap he he came on my courses and went ah, really is it you know it, will i learn anything walked away and just went absolutely fantastic and has used it uh, a few times you know uh, you see a car crash and you see someone lying there. Instead of just going, oh, poor old soul, you're out there, you're helping them because you're confident. You know, and that's the thing, being confident in doing the right thing because doing nothing is definitely the wrong thing. Driving past that person that's choking, yeah, driving past that person that's got like, uh, you know, a potential this, potential that, potential that. And if you can do something, yeah, it doesn't have to be a lot, but just roll them on the side, yeah, put them in the recovery position, you know, you can save their life. If they've got an occluded airway, you put them in the recovery position, it opens up the airway, you saved their life. Oh, they could have choked that. Yeah. You know. So there you go. I mean, I, I think that I, I'm still going to push this as well because you know I, I think that what I mean, what safety equipment do people take with them? Mm. In my car, well, both my cars, uh, I've got uh, basic life saving stuff. Yeah. And if I'm going out hunting, I take it with me. Yeah. And it is if I cut myself. Yeah. I've got stuff for little cuts. Yeah. Just just pour on some powder. Put the pressure on the powder; it stops you bleeding like that. Yeah, and hemophiliacs; it stops. You know, it'll stop there for them as well. Um, you know, I've got decent, decent, decent hemostats. Yeah. So if you, if I've got a big cut, I pack the wound, I put a bandage around it; it stops it bleeding. It, it and it, it could save your life. You know, and this is stuff that I hope to God I never use. Yeah. Well, certainly not, not on me anyway. I'm too beautiful. You can see that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to damage your nails. No, but you know, I, I just I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I hope to God I never have to, you know, uh, but it worries me that how many people are out there shooting today that haven't got a single solitary thing. And if they shot themselves in the foot, you know, what would they do? That's a good question. Yeah, it, it, it cannot hurt to increase your, your knowledge and ability um, to be able to tackle situations like that. Absolutely not. I think so. I think, yeah, do you know what? I think it would be nice if you get your firearm certificate. Right? If you're, if you're going to apply for a firearm certificate, you should have a first aid course, right? Or a first aid course tailored to the shooter, to the injuries, the likely injuries. There's no point to teaching somebody about a, a typewriter falling on their foot when they're out red, red stag hunting, because it's not, it's not the same. I mean, you know, you need to have something that, that pertains to the actual injuries that you're going to encounter. Or, or you know, the, the variety that you could have, you know? Mm. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, you, you go out hunting, and it's not that he falls over with a broken ankle or broken leg. He, he might have a heart condition that he's not told you about, yeah. you know? You don't know. Yeah. You know, so you don't know. And if he does, and if he starts, you know, if he gives you the signs that he's, he's got, like, you know, um, cardiac arrest, well, what do you do? Right? I mean, obviously, then take his wallet, you know? <laughs> but check if he's got a medical alert in there that's what i meant <laughs> no but you know what i mean yeah you, you yeah what do you do i mean i'll tell you what most people do they panic yeah they would do if you don't know 
you know, and if you're 10 miles out and you're suddenly thinking this old geezer's not going to make it, right, you know, um, what do you do? What's the first thing you do? Obviously, you phone for a backup. You do this, you know, and then what do you do? Because he's looking at you now because, you you know, you said, right, okay, let's do this. He, he's looking at you. You know, he, want, he don't want to die. Can you help him? And if there's five of you stood there going, I haven't got a clue. Yeah, I was going to do first aid course, but instead I went, you know, down South End Seafront. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I mean? you know, if you just do a, a two-day course, it's the fun. It's the most. I think it's essential, and I think I'm sticking my neck out here, but I, I think it should be made mandatory for firearms. An interesting uh, debate to yeah. have, but yeah, for for sure, it, it cannot it cannot hurt, and uh, uh, the more people know. I have done a shed load of you did of military, a yeah. load of first aid courses for. Uh, well, you, when you prepare for operations, you do one, then you've got to do yeah. it currently, and then I specialised in diving, so all of my were all more catered toward diving illnesses and that. I'll tell yeah. you what, when you come out, like you said, a two, three-day course, ours were a week long, then we did yeah. um, two weeks long. I don't even know. We, we even did time in A&E as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. When you come out of that, your mind is just blown on how little you actually know to begin oh, with. That's, that's exactly <laughs> the same thing. I mean, yeah, I did my FPOS and FPOS Intermediate, and I thought FPOS, yeah, easy, Dr. Rog, isn't it? Right? And then <laughs> I went to FPOS Intermediate, and I was like, I know nothing. It was, it was amazing. And then coming back from that course... It, it, it's just incredible so interesting so informative um it's, a, it's an awful thing to say but it's almost like you want something to happen and go out the way i, know what I'm doing. <laughs> I can deal with this you know, yeah. yeah i can certainly deal with that you know but then again the other day i broke a nail and nearly cried so <laughs> i tried to call an air ambulance but they weren't interested <laughs> i i uh just a, a final final story i always thought to myself uh you know when you see in the movies you know if you cut yourself i i um certainly my fishing bag I always carry sutures uh for when we were doing trips and stuff when i was younger with my cousin and i thought if i cut myself badly i could stitch myself up no bother so that's not a problem and then he's actually a doctor and a doctor now out in, out in new zealand but when he was training to be a doctor we were busy fishing on the don up in aberdeen but he had a, a suturing class that he had to go to so he made up some bs story and got me uh, in so that i could sit in like a like a student there and i went through the the suturing and stuff and when i saw actually on this fake flesh what's involved and how deep you have to stitch down if it's a oh, really deep yeah. wound. i thought i was trying to picture myself yeah i was trying to picture myself if my if i got a gash like that in my arm there's no way i'm gonna be able to stitch all the way down there and as deep as that i thought no forget that idea <laughs> Well, do you know, we, the problem is I think you've got first blood syndrome because you've watched Stallone do it. In yes. Blood, uh, yeah. And you've gone, easy, I could do that, yeah, as I did. Yeah. And then, then I got a Wicklow the other day, again, and nearly cried. Yeah. So how can I be stitching all my arm? There's not a chance. No, you, you, know, you think you can just... do these things, but when I, when I saw the reality of it, I thought... I... You probably could if you really pushed your, you know, if your back's really in the corner, but I think yeah, a lot of people would struggle. Well, the thing is with stitches, I mean, okay, I understand that, that obviously you want to stop the bleeding, but again, a hemostat. Yeah, exactly. Put a hemostat yeah. in it, right? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you know about hemostats, yeah? You put a hemostat on it, right? I think that, that uh, Celox, they call it, but I mean, you know, um, the new one that's really, really, really good is Kytosam, right? Which is brilliant, right? Um, fantastic company, uh, Sam Medical. They make uh, splints and what have you, and they have their own uh, hemostats, Kytosam. It is out this world um and i've seen it working you know they did it on, i've done it on pigs 
So, you know, you see a wound, bang, the packet, it stops it straight away. Mm. So none of that, none of that first blood stuff, none of that laugh. <laughs> so you can forget like that. Sewing yourself up with a bit yeah, of bone and thread. Technology has moved on <laughs> slightly since, uh, since a needle since, and thread and you've got to stitch yourself up. <laughs> since Rambo. In the field, yeah. Is there, yeah, a, is there uh, a go-to place to buy uh, medical equipment like that, Roger? Uh, anything like that. If you go onto our web shop, for instance. Oh, the okay. MD- I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you, I mean, MDD, uh, MDD Europe. Uh, we obviously uh, we, we've got a um, website and what have you, and uh, we've got a new web shop that should be up and running at the end of the month. Okay. And if you've got anything you need, obviously, uh, you know, uh, what, I, what I'm thinking of doing is putting together a, a hunting pack. Okay. Yeah. That's, that was actually very the reason simple. for my question. Yeah, very, very simple stuff that's not going to be very much. Again, I want a McLaren, by the way. So <laughs> no, so, I mean, that's what I want to do is put something, because I think it is essential. E- even if you never, ever use it, and then you go to a rave and you use the Silum stick there, that's fine, <laughs> right? But, but I understand that. But do you know what? Better to have it than not. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think I, I might put together a few bits and bobs and, and you know, just essential stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and no stitches. Don't worry, <laughs> Roger. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It's been a, it's been a blast, and I've had a good laugh as yeah. well. Uh, I think there's, especially the you know, conversations at the end there. I think there'll be a, a few thing, a few minds uh, whirling around about just how prepared you might be yeah. if something happened. Uh, but certainly, you know, all our conversations at the, at the start about air gunning. Hopefully, there'll be some people listening to us who think, you know what, I'm going to give it a go because I didn't. We were busy filming when we, when we were at the event, but. It looked like a lot of fun. I really did want to have the time to go and pick up a, an air gun and, and go around it. So I, I'd encourage people well. to give it a go. Uh, it'd be lovely to have you there. I mean, the thing is, you know, again, just dip your toe and have a go. And if you've done air gun, which you clearly have, yeah, let's, let's, I bet you, you do better than you think you will. <laughs> It's Seriously. slightly scary knowing that it's going to be uh, chalked up. But it, like I said, <laughs> it looks like so much fun. It actually doesn't even matter. Oh, and I'm sorry. Can I ask you one question sure. before we finish? Maybe um, I had a good chat with Dave the other day, David, right? Um, oh dear! And he said to me, "Can I please ask you?" He said, "In all the years you've been doing this and interviewing people, right? Uh, and you've had Charlie on and Crow, I believe, as well. Why has he never been asked?" Do you know what? Right? I actually <laughs> thought because we were as we got into the start of 2017, we we're working out everybody who we we're going to try and get on. And I actually thought about David, and I, w- I gave it a good thought. I thought, you know, he's probably not going to want to do it. But you know what? Now I am going to ask him, well, <laughs> and now he's he not going to be able to say no. Now, do you know what though? If, if, you know, when he said that to me, he said, oh, "Be sure to ask him." But thinking about, I wouldn't bother. I wouldn't bother. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, he's a, he's a, he's got a very interesting backstory, David. And a lot of people, you know, he obviously reads the news on Field Sports Channel, but a lot of people don't realise all the work that, you know, he. he does behind the scenes to make that you know what is one of the most successful hunting field sports channels in the world yeah he, he knows he is a worker or, or, or similar no he is no he is he's a top lad he's a top lad and he's very funny as well and not even just looking he is looking he does look funny well, but he, he was a model which will, definitely, which will definitely come up if we uh, have the opportunity oh, to yeah, interview. you got I, I, I would rib him about that so. <laughs> he did get married to a model as well so he was right. He did get married to a model as well, so I can't rib him did too he? much. Yeah, his his. I have I've never met his uh, good lady, but uh, she was a model in her day as well, I believe. Oh. But now that we've talked about it at the end of the show, we're going to have to tag him when we uh, put the show out, so, and he's going to have to. Absolutely. He's going to have to listen. 
maybe we can send some nice pictures in. <laughs> I'd certainly like some of those. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know what? That is a good point. I bet you Charlie must have pictures of David modelling when he was younger. Why would he have? Now that worries me. No, <laughs> that's collateral. <laughs> he, he must have. He, he must have somewhere. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask the questions and I'm gonna find them. Super. I would. I'd like to see those. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> Roger, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're a very busy man. It's been. It's been great, and I'm sure we'll have an opportunity. But we'll, we'll probably we'll, see each other we'll, at the Northern. We'll Tuesday see show. you at the Northern Tuesday show. Absolutely. We'll, we'll share a coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> see you. Thanks, Roger. Cheers. Well, thank you very much for listening to the first show of the year. If you're watching on YouTube, you might notice that I'm wearing a slightly different headset to what we normally have. We're trying out new microphones, so it's... Uh, can you tell the difference? I don't know if you can tell the difference. I've got a new microphone. We're trying to condense it so when we go to uh, game fairs and stuff throughout the year, it's a little bit more streamlined. A lot of people like the podcast that we did at the... Um one of the one of the game fairs during the year where we went around to talk to the manufacturers and they, they gave us a bit of spiel about their new products and this will certainly make a li- life easier so we don't have to carry on so much equipment <laughs> it will do but join us again in two weeks time there might be a news one in the middle not sure yet yeah probably maybe in a week's time we'll, yeah, we'll there see might be a, another one uh if you want any more information on the show Go to all the W all the W's. Spit the, it out. Yeah, thepacebrothers.com. It has everything there. It has the catalogue of all of the shows that you can listen on SoundCloud through your desktop. It has all our films, our shop, everything you need to know. All the latest news is on it. If you are listening to this podcast, you are part of a growing number of people listening. Every month last year, we increased the number of uh, people downloading the podcast, and it's growing at quite an incredible rate so thank you so much everybody who listens if you like it think about telling a friend yeah. because we want to keep share. on growing yeah, the more people growing. that we can uh, reach the better and the more that we can share great information with great people and great debate yeah i agree and the more people that know the more better content we can bring you as well absolutely which is uh, the important thing Join us in two weeks' time when we will have another guest. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget that this podcast is supported and brought to you by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. Go and enter our competition to win a set of Coldwell Emacs Ear Defenders. And as a last note, this will be on YouTube as well. We have a dedicated YouTube channel for the podcast. It is just called Podcast Into the Wilderness. And you can find nearly all of the shows on that channel that you can watch. Some of them you can see the guests, some of them you just see us. Some of them it's pictures of the guests doing their stuff. Depends how good their internet is. Yeah, we struggle with that sometimes. But the point being is there is a dedicated channel, so you can go and watch all of these on YouTube. They're normally a few days later after the the one that's put out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and the rest of them. But thank you very much for listening. Bye.